Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. And a very warm welcome back to Solidarity Breakfast. A left response to the major developments in capitalism. What they trade in is not wheat. They trade in famine. A little dose of revolutionary optimism. I think it's really important to sort of express solidarity globally. It really is a deal by corporations for corporations. The union forever defending our rights down with the black If you think the ABC's left wing, don't listen to this program. Solidarity Breakfast, 7.30 to 9am Saturdays, 3CR, 8.55am streaming and 3CR digital, podcast or audio on demand. And of course, the website, solidaritybreakfast.org.au. Solidarity forever! And good morning, Solidarity Forever. And in the studio, what? who have we got? Kim. Lalitha. And what is it today? Radiothon! <laughs> yeah. Very special program where we ask for your solidarity. That's exactly right. And, uh, of course, all, all over the last two weeks, it's been uh, 3CR's uh, Solidarity uh, Radiothon, really. We've been calling for people to uh, put money in. Uh, give us a call, 94198377. Today we're going to listen to uh, some past excerpts from past shows to uh, inspire you uh, for uh, why you should actually... Uh, Give us money. Uh, we've got a couple of giveaways, so keep your ears peeled. And is that possible? Do you have ears? Do ears get peeled or is it only well, eyes? Well, hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, also um, we should uh, go uh, uh, remember past heroes. Uh, Catherine and Valerie Thomas have uh, given uh, $500. Wee. In, yeah, yes. 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 We need some drum rolls here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll see if I can find some. Um, I'll see if you I can. don't want us to improvise. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. No, no, I'm sure. I'm sure we've uh, got something that uh, could be done. I hope people can hear that. <laughs> hey! Oh. <laughs> yes, and they've donated this money uh, not just because the program's fantastic, but in memory of Bill Della and Bill Hartley. And uh, we thought that in order to uh, inspire us, we should go back and. Uh, Honour Bill, Bill Della, uh, with a poem that was uh, expressed by a talkback with attitude caller, Frank. Uh, he wrote a poem especially for Bill. Along, among the new arrivals assembled at the pearly gates was big by, by Bill and his mates. He was, a mo- he was having a debate with one and with his infectious smile he was winning by a tonne. St Peter who was scanning the motley mass uh, from a side door, said to his minder, who is that man who reasons which should favour? Bring him up to, to the first place. I would like to see his face. To Bill, he asked, what did you do to make our world a better place? I tried to expose the exploiters, and to make mankind's mankind's lot a little fairer. 
Yes, I was hysteria and an agitator and hysteria. And to those who would poison our planet, I was one who said, you can it. St. Peter was impressed and uh, and said, with your convictions, this place will have you will have no restrictions. Now, the um, things here are on the level, and you're too valuable to go to the devil. Okay? Excellent. Uh, just to just one part, another part, mm-hmm. about uh, just another part. When, you're, when your body to dust has gone, your message and spirit will live on. Okay? Thanks. Thank you very much, Frank. All the best. Thank you for uh, those kind words about Mr. Bill Della. Thank you. And that's right, those lovely words for Bill Della. Bill Bill really did inspire people to uh, be part of the struggle and he was always a positive force. He was part of the solution. He was never part of the problem. You've got to say that. What do you say, Lali? Absolutely. You worked with him. I've known him for so many years. Since 1990 I've known him. And he was always an inspiration. When I worked in the unions with him, he actually literally ran the uh, what used to be known as the State Public Services Federation. Um, we had so many struggles. And um, Jeff Kerr at the time was such a bastard. Pardon me for swearing. Well, you but, couldn't have had a better... <laughs> <laughs> well, but he, he was such a fighter. And, um, you know, the, the funny part is we, we had, um, had organised the prison wardens. It was just against... Bill Della's very persona, very being, you know, you know, it's like the, defending the cops. But he did it with vigor. You know, he had um, all that, that conviction that, you know, regardless who they are, they're union members, they're paying the dues, we're going to defend them. And, and he did that. You know, it's an amazing job. And I, I had absolutely nothing but admiration of him. And more than that, he was, he was a very warm person. You know, he was always there if you needed help. Yeah, he's courageous no. too. Very, very kind. Very, and he he always it was inclusive. That's the the beauty about Bill. He was very inclusive. Yeah, a lot to learn from Bill. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, he brought us all to this program. So uh, hopefully, yes, he did too. Yes, he did. Yes. And hopefully that you can be part of this program, continuing on its way uh, by giving us a call on nine four one nine eight three seven seven and donating, just like the Electrical Trades Union who have given us a hundred and forty dollars. Good on you. Yay. Yay. John Anderson, who's given us 25. Uh, Declan Barron, who's given us 30. And Terence Bosley, who's given us 50. You're all... Drum bad. roll. Drum, Drum roll. roll. Come on. Hey. Wonderful. <laughs> Wondering how you pay your donation to the 3CR Radiothon? Well, you can do so online at www.3cr.org.au or call us with your credit card details on 9419 8377. You can also come into the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FPOS. Or simply post your cheque or money order to PO Box 1277 Collingwood 3066 and be sure to tell us which program you'd like your donation to go to. Breakfast with Annie and Kim.
Kim and Aletha and it is the uh, Radiothon day for uh, uh, Solidarity Breakfast and for trip, uh, 3CR as a whole. So we're aiming to get a... Uh, we're aiming to get a... Um, a total of 220000 for the station overall, but of course our mm. little bit is $3,000. We've um, made it over half, so uh, th yes, thank you for your cont contributions, but we've still got to get over, you know, like the little red engine, we have to, we almost... We, keep pushing up here. <laughs> we, we have to keep pushing up We've got no steam. Yeah, that's right. And that's for the uh, greater glory of 3CR and making sure that uh, Murdoch doesn't uh, retain all parts of the media landscape in Australia. Did you hear that he um, uh, has uh, stepped down so that James can take over his empire? Except, oh, something new. <laughs> yeah, except for Fox News because he all wants right. to be... He wants to... His hobby is uh, changing American presidents quite clearly. Yeah, that's an expensive hobby. That's an expensive hobby. I also found an out exciting that, one. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Challenging. <laughs> Challenging. I also found that um, being on radio is expensive. I didn't realise that until recently that it costs, um, for every one hour of radio, it costs $90 and we're not Rupert Murdoch. So no. please help us. That's right. Call on 94198377. Uh, but we've got, we've got an inducement and, oh, we've got Lynn in the studio. G'day, Lynn. How are you? G'day. Hello, everybody. Isn't this an exciting day? It certainly yeah. is. Now, um, you just come in at the right time because we're going to feature one of the uh, programs that you guys did uh, where you uh, highlighted Van der Sheever's work and we've got a book that uh, we can offer people if they wish to uh, ring up and uh, give us at least $50. Do you want to tell us about the book? Uh, yes, it is a very um, important and interesting book and it's actually on food security um, and actually how it has been women activists, scientists and scholars who have been at the vanguard of actually reclaiming our ecological environment. And so it's a very interesting book and really a topic I think that has not been studied tremendously. So, um, you know... So we'll have, next, we'll have a next... <laughs> well, she, she, and she has such a breadth of experience and such a breadth of ideas that mm. um, I would love to read that book. In fact, I might seriously consider if somebody doesn't ring in quickly. Okay, let's, let's hear a little bit. <laughs> Get it bit. before Lynn does. The women asked us to bring the mustard oil ba bag and I did a mustard satyagraha. And why does soy oil become cheap? Because the US government is putting more than $200 subsidy behind every town. And the Indian government's putting $300 to make a very costly product cheap. And behind every aspect of cheap food is our own tax money being used against us. And that's why we do need a movement, an economic democracy movement, on how our taxes are spent. And we need to move from monocultures of the mind and monocultures in our diets and monocultures in our fields to the biodiversity of species and ecosystems, the biodiversity of knowledges from our grandmothers and ancestors to our children, the knowledge of the cow as much as the braid of grass, because there's intelligence there. We need a biodiversity of ecosystems with the local, as Joel said, the home at the center. Oikos is home. Oikonomia is what Aristotle said, the art of living. And he had another name for what Monsanto is engaged in. He called it crematistics, the art of money making. Very different. We need a democracy, the political level, again beginning from the local. And these together 
create living economies, living democracies, living cultures. Either we will reclaim agriculture as a culture of the land, or we will be pushed to extinction by an agriculture that is no more agriculture, but is an extension of war against the planet and our body. And what a wonderful speaker. What a fantastic person. Yeah, and so knowledgeable. And, I mean, it's fantastic that she brings a whole whole range of sort of um, experience and views. So she brings the range of the sort of experience of India and, and, and then a range of political experiences and all of those things brings them into the mix and has this incredibly sort of holistic view about the world. And don't you love that she talks about things like cooking? Oh, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> but no, it's not just cooking. She does cooking in the same breath as uh, U.S. imperialism. Exactly. Mm. Absolutely. It's fantastic. Well, that's what it comes down to, all those day-to-day struggles and joys, I suppose. Um, And you could be in the running to win the book Seed Sovereignty, Food Security, Women in the Vanguard. Um, If you ring in on... 9419 8377 9419 8377 and donate more than $50. Yeah, activate the airwaves. In fact, if you want to, you could ring us up and we might even talk to you. Hey, did you hear that uh, Rod Quantock got an AOM or whatever they call them? An Order of Australia? O- no. O- o- how do you say? Oh, that's good. Congratulations, Rod. Yeah, mm. that's right. <laughs> It's quite extraordinary. Um, I'm so, sure he's miffed. <laughs> that's right. It, that gives him endless amounts of comedy uh, <laughs> fuel of for... Of course it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Anyway, if you want to know a little bit more about donating, here we go. Did you know that each donation over $2 you make to 3CR's Radiothon is tax deductible? That means that when you're doing your tax return business, you can claim your 3CR donation as a legitimate tax deduction. To make a pledge to this year's Radiothon, call the station on 9419 8377. And uh, there we go. Yes, tax deductible. Even if uh, you give us $2, it's tax deductible. And that's a hint. Small, big, in between, doesn't matter. Jason Coggan has given us $10. Keith Fitzgerald has given us two donations. What a wonderful man he is. $65 one morning and then $50 the next. So uh, what a great man. Wow, Jason and and Keith, both heroes. Yes, Mm. that's right. Uh, And uh, talking about Keith, this leads us, it's a beautiful segue, as uh, Humphrey would say, in, who is going to join us later in the morning, and so is Dr. Noah. He's going to join us later in the uh, morning, and hopefully uh, the wonderful Marcus. Marcus is here. He's here. He's waiting. Oh. He's waiting. He's to waiting make in his the entrance. wings. <laughs> it's kind of an all stars thing. Isn't it? That's here. right. Solid, solidarity <laughs> breakfast, all stars. Uh, but I was just going to say that uh, if. Uh, Vanda Shiva's book is of no uh, particular interest to you, which d- justifies logic. Uh, we also have another uh, thing that you might be interested in. That's the uh, fi- uh, uh, the fighting the big end of town, beating the big end of town. And who's not interested in that? That's exactly right. This is the. Isn't that why we have three CR? That's exactly right. <laughs> yes. But part of this this book is a uh, book that's been put together by Anthony Main, who was one of the uh, key organisers of the uh, community picket against uh, East West Link. Yes, and yes. that's what uh, Keith reminded me because Keith was one of the people whose uh, pro- uh, houses were saved. 
Ah. Ah. And he was very grateful to 3CR for being involved in uh, reportage, etc. It also Had shows you how Had he been a 3CR works. listener before that? No, he hadn't. There you go. So that's, that's, that's just wonderful community building, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's also had a huge, the successful campaign had a big impact on the Victorian elections as well. I don't think there's any way that the Labor Party would have taken up the issue if it hadn't been for the campaign. Well, it's funny you should say that because I've got a little excerpt here from the launch of the book to encourage people to uh, ring us. It's on the number. What's the number? 94198377. But we decided to write a book that actually tried to draw out the lessons explain what took place, what were the forces involved and what were the lessons that people can use for future campaigns. And I think, you know, because it, it is a serious question. How was it that people, that the Herald Sun and 3AW basically described as pests and troublemakers and no good ratbags and we had no chance of winning at the start, everyone was against us, we all know that. But how was it that those people managed to push back some of the biggest multinational companies in the world, actually, and how was it that we were able to stop that massive transfer of wealth that Mel talked about, where billions of dollars of taxpayer money was going to be, you know, shoveled into the coffers of big business? That's a really interesting question and something that I think these are the types of things that we try to draw out in the book. Now, I must say, there is definitely going to be some people, or maybe a lot of people, I don't know, that don't agree with the analysis and with what we've, with some of the stuff that we've written in the book. We say from the outset, we've written this book unashamedly from the perspective of the Socialist Party, a party that was involved going way back actually in 2008 was the first time that I was involved in the campaign. And we do definitely in the book make a critique of other political forces. We don't make any apologies about that, but what we are hoping that the book does is that it provokes some debate. We're hoping that, I I mean, if this publication actually deepens the level of discussion, deepens the level of understanding, gets people talking about how we're going to actually win in the future, well, then that is going to put us in a much, much better uh, situation uh, for for next time. I mean, already, as Steve indicated, we're seeing elements of a history war taking place where many people are, are telling us that we should be out thanking Labor for their role in stopping this project. Well, as has already been said, we remember the time when Labor supported this. We remember the time when Labor said that they would continue to honour the contracts if they were signed before the election. And unfortunately, we've even got people here tonight that were forced to to leave their neighbourhood because Labor took so damn long to get their to get their stuff together. And unfortunately, now we've got people that a lot of people that have had to leave communities that they've lived in all their life. And you'll forgive us if in the book we don't actually thank Labor for that at at all. I think um, the reason we try to explain in the book that why was it that Labor was forced to change, it wasn't through goodwill. We have to be honest about that. Labor were forced to change because of the situation, the political situation that our campaign created. And the primary driver to that was the fact that ordinary people They got organised and they took matters into their own hands. That was a key feature. The community pickets created a dynamic whereby um, Labor could not possibly go to the election, um, continuing on and wanting to build the East-West Link. We had a process in train where on the one hand we we were actually winning the propaganda war. 
Don't, don't underestimate the intelligence of ordinary people, despite the fact that there was pages and pages of rubbish printed in the Herald Sun, hours upon hours of propaganda on the mainstream papers, and maybe one of the only media outlets, apart from the Socialist magazine, was, was 3CR and Annie and other people like that, and Anthony Snowden here, who actually got out there and told the truth, but unfortunately weren't speaking to the millions of people that the Herald Sun were. But despite that, we were actually managed to win the propaganda war in the sense that the vast bulk of Victorians either were opposing the project, project and polls indicated that, or at the very, very least, had major questions about it because of the secrecy and all the rest of it. And that was an important part of, of, what, we, of what we'd done. But on the other hand, what Labor um, knew is if they had won the election, which is what, where the polls were pointing, they would have been coming to power. And for them to have to continue and build this project um, in the midst of an already aroused community who'd already demonstrated their determination about picketing and, and campaigning and standing up against it, that would have been an absolute disaster for them and something that they really desperately tried to avoid. The pickets not only impacted on the government's timeline, on their schedule, they not only helped put the issue on the map and gave us a platform in order to be able to speak about pro-public transport solutions, but they also had a major political impact on Labor. Yeah, see, he agrees with you. Yes. <laughs> and well, also I think... I, I, but wasn't, I mean, the Labor government at the beginning of the campaign were saying outright and blatantly, weren't they, that, you know, that they weren't sure at all and oh, that, you know, the yeah. people in the eastern suburbs wanted the east-west link and it was going to help cut down Melbourne traffic and I think... Yeah, they know, did. That, yeah. Um, so, and I wasn't confident really until the very end that they would swing behind the campaign. No, I think well, I think they thought it was, they realised that these issues that were being thrown up by the activists and the campaigns were actually resonating. Um, I wanted to quickly um, announce, we've had another donation from uh, Vithia uh, Witt um, of $100 oh. uh, from Northcote. So thank you very much and um, keep them coming. Yeah, thank you very much, Vithia. <laughs> oh. It's suddenly very many people in the studio. That's right. Cheers and celebration. Cheers and celebration. You're on Solidarity Breakfast with Annie, Kim and Lynn. And uh, Lalitha is in the background waving vigorously, waiting <laughs> to uh, gather calls from people who ring on 94198377 to keep the train going. And so, as, and so if you ring to donate money, as well as knowing that you are keeping 3CR on the road, you are also going to have the privilege of talking one-to-one with the wonderful Lalitha. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. And uh, talk up the book again. We just had a little excerpt from Anthony Main launching his book. Yes, well, the book is full of political lessons, um, as Anthony was saying. Um, it also, I think there's a perfect slogan that's written right on the front cover, uh, which is trains, not tolls. And I think public transport um, is a huge class issue as well, um, and also one that frustrates us all daily. Yeah. And, and links again, doesn't it, back into the planet. We are talking about the planet mm. earlier. The whole thing about trains, not not tolls, um, is, you know, that tolls are 
just encouraging people to drive. And also planning um, planning for people, not profits. That's the name of one of the chapters. But you'll have to read the whole book to and to get to that chapter, and also ring in to get the book. Uh, one of the things that uh, he I cut out of the because I actually went to the launch and it was absolutely full of people. Everyone was as cheerful as anything, because of course it is extraordinary to uh, beat the big end of town, and it's a lesson that uh, not just locally and not just Australian wise, but uh, internationally has uh, caught the notion and the imagination of people, as he was able to point out. But he did say that he was really pleased that different people were reading the book because he got a phone call from someone, a, a woman who rang up and told him, went through minutely every grammatical error that he had made. <laughs> <laughs> and he, as he said, he was very pleased that people were actually reading the book. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. uh, anyway, uh, we're uh, calling for your donations. Give us a call, 9419 8377, and you can get a copy of uh, Beating the Big End of Town if you uh, choose to donate uh, this morning. So uh, give us a call, uh, ring up, uh, Lalitha will answer the phone. Uh, If, yes, she's (laughs) eager and waiting. Uh, Let's hear from Rod, our new uh, OAM. Hi, I'm Rod Quantock and you're listening to... Fill in the dots, you know who you're listening to. Why do I have to tell you who you're listening to? You know who you're listening to. You're listening to, yes, fill in the... 3CR Community Radio, you got it right, you've won a giraffe. Uh, we're at 855am, we're on digital radio and streaming at 3cr.org.au. 3CR has been making trouble since 1976 and occasionally I've been part of the trouble that's been made. It's a vital part of our uh, media landscape and I'd encourage you to get a hacksaw, an oxyacetylene torch and go up to the Dandenongs and, and bring down all those broadcast towers that aren't 3CR's towers And let's make 3CR the only source of information to an information-starved, dumbed-down Australian community. Written, authorised and spoken by Neil Mitchell. Yes, as I said, (laughs) he's our newest... uh, Is it OAM? I'm really bad with... I don't know. Letter wrangling. So is he he, uh, representing us in comedy, Australia? (laughs) I don't know. I actually uh, spoke to someone once about how people get those awards. You know how you sort of think, you see see these things and uh, and someone's given an award and you think, oh, they've recognised them for all the work that they've done. No, no, it's a huge amount of uh, bureaucratic procedures. Different people have to fill in forms and a certain amount of people have to put the people up and all this sort well, of stuff. Well, you know what I saw on online the other day? Um, um, someone had nominated Gillian Triggs to be Australian of the Year next year. Fantastic. And, and, and they got and deported. It, it was a link. There was a link to do it, you know. Follow this link and you too can nominate Gillian Triggs. So if enough of us nominate Gillian Triggs, uh, they might have trouble. I think that deserves an applause. I think it does too. I think Julian Triggs deserves endless applause. Maybe she could be the uh, new Prime Minister. Well, I was thinking she'd be perfect for President of Australia because we know that she stands up for what she believes, that she won't take Mm. crap from them, that she, you know, if she thinks that the government was doing the wrong thing, she would actually say so. We should revoke Tony Abbott's citizenship. He's from Britain anyway. We should. Send him back there. He's got dual citizenship. Mm. 
you know, you, you know all this stuff about. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. He yeah. does. But you know what else? He's in big trouble. I don't know. I, I, I <laughs> really? Had a, I, had a, I had a bit of a sleepless night, and so I kept listening to the BBC World News, and they kept talking about Australia and how we've paid people smugglers, and how it's illegal to pay people smugglers, and the Australian government's in big trouble for encouraging people smugglers by paying them money. Goodness me! Oh, well, you heard it on the BBC. Yeah. I thought true. that was just terrific. I loved listening to the BBC oh, it's putting fantastic. shit on Tony Abbott. Yeah. <laughs> and who have we got in the studio? Uh, the, one of the Solidarity Breakfast All-Stars. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, Marcus here from uh, Rankin Foyle Radio, the usual program on 8am every Saturday morning. But going back to the talking about the honours on the Queen's birthday, uh, hopefully we won't have to celebrate that uh, holiday That's for exactly too much right. longer. But <laughs> I think there's a, the Eureka Australia Day honours are far more important honour than the OAM, although there were two worthy winners, as you mentioned, uh, Rod Quantock and Archie Roach, yeah. who started his career. At they 3CR. must be sucking up to us, yeah. <laughs> sucking up to the real Australians. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe they know the writing's on the wall. Their time is coming. But the Eureka Australia Medal, of course, Bill Deller and many people here at 3CR are recipients of that award. I heard the, uh, the tribute to Bill. Of course, he occupied the studio at this time every Saturday for, yeah. for years. That's exactly right. That's and exactly right. And you know what? That, it's interesting that you talk about that Eureka Award because I've also just been reading some history about Ballarat, surprising. And um, in um, 18, yes, 1888, the, um, the I don't know what he was called, but the, I suppose the Prime Minister, was he? Is a colony? No. Premier? Governor. Or anyway, the leader, whoever was the leader, whatever he was called, in New South Wales in 1888, Announced that we should, um, you know, celebrate 1888. Uh, the, sorry, the 26th of January. We should celebrate the 26th of January, 1888, um, because it it's the wonderful day that we, you know, made this place a colony. And the bulletin, you know, we all know the bulletin magazine that used to be very sharp and serbic. And the bulletin magazine said, "Why would we celebrate the day we got lagged?" I reckon we should celebrate the 3rd of December, 1854. That's the day that we became Australia. Oh. And that was back in 1888. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And it? that was a, yeah, that was a uh, multicultural event at Eureka. Over yeah, 40 nationalities right. united under that yeah. Eureka flag from all different uh, races and religions. Yeah. There was yeah. Aboriginal people too involved in that struggle. So it, it is the real Australia Day, I agree. Well, yeah. well spotted. Oh, just just before we uh, move on to uh, tell people how they can donate on nine four one nine eight three seven seven and read out some names of people who have already donated to keep three uh, CR on the air and Solidarity Breakfast along with it. I went to see uh, uh, Dr. Cornell West last night, and oh. yes, and uh, before before uh, brother uh, West, because everyone gets called brother or. Not many sisters, but there were brothers. Um, there was uh, our uh, Gary Foley was uh, gave mm. us a little speech, mm. Mm. and he mentioned something that was very interesting. He said that in 1907 and eight, that uh, uh, Jack Johnson, the great black fighter, mm. came to Australia, and he said that he was the most hated black man in the world because he was undefeated. You know, and it defied white supremacy right. uh, notions yeah. of white supremacy, yeah. and that uh, the uh, people, the Aboriginal people, who were uh, the beginnings of the Aboriginal Progress Society uh, Association, met with Jack Johnson, 
and it was part of an ongoing collaboration between uh, black Americans and Aboriginal activists. Wonderful. Oh, great. Isn't that an interesting piece of information? Absolutely. Absolutely. Isn't history wonderful? Yeah. And... Wondering how you pay your donation to the 3CR Radiothon? Well, you can do so online at www.3cr.org.au or call us with your credit card details on 9419 8377. You can also come into the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FPOS. Or simply post your cheque or money order to PO Box 1277 Collingwood 3066 and be sure to tell us which program you'd like your donation to go to. I was just going to say, speaking about history, 3CR itself is now living history. What is it, 1975, 1976? Next year is the 40th. Next year is the 40th. And, I mean, if we think about 1976 when 3CR first was started, and, you know, I'm one of the people who can remember that, um, it was a different time, wasn't it? It was a fan, you know, it was just an incredible time of hope and um, because people hadn't realised yet how neo, how the grasp that neoliberalism was going to take on the world and, and squeeze and try really hard to squeeze the lifeblood out of community, or all community organisation, mm. all activism, all community protest, etc. All, you know, any group that, that was looking forward rather than looking backward. And even just community voices and like even, we have on yeah, 3CR. Exactly. And 3CR has actually survived through all that. And that's a phenomenal achievement. Really, I don't think we could overstate how important that achievement is. And the achievement is about the listeners. If it wasn't for listeners, if it wasn't for people donating... And if it wasn't for all the wonderful people who give their time to make the radio happen, it wouldn't be here. It's a fantastic testament to the fact that the fighting spirit has been kept alive in Australia really healthily through all these terrible times. And now, you know, with terrible times still here. And, but, you know, there are some cracks in them, aren't there now? Let's hope mm. they're going. <laughs> well, it's interesting because uh, one of the things Gary Foley did say was that... Uh, he he started his struggle at, um, well, what did uh, Brother West say? He's a long-distance runner. It's <laughs> 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 got, got a great way, great way of saying things. But uh, he, he, Gary Foley says, if you think that uh, things haven't changed, then you're wrong. Yeah. You know, if you looked at 1972 when he started his long-distance race at 15, uh, then, uh, and you look at now... You, uh, the uh, consumerist society gives people the impression, likes to think that every time you wake up, that's a new day, no history has happened. 3CR is here to tell you that that's just not the case. We have to keep our traditions alive. That's exactly right. Have you got anything to add there, Marcus? And to keep, yeah, 3CR going for another 40 years, so jump on the phone, 9419 and uh, donate your hard-earned... And it is the only place where you hear the voices of real people, workers, um, Indigenous people, people involved in, in struggle. The only, the only place where you will hear the truth, you won't hear it on the, I know. the other commercial stations. So. 
Yep. It's and the only place where you'll hear the truth, and it's the only place where you'll hear the depth of what's really seriously going on instead of just scraping the surface. Well, yeah, because uh, the other the other tunes are all about uh, the big end of town. Juliet Fox has given us ten dollars. Good on you, Juliet. Mister, Good on you, Juliet. Yeah, Mister Ron Guy, he's a Mister, uh, has given us fifty. Oh, we interviewed Ron two weeks ago. Good on you, Ron. Thanks very much. Good on you, Ron. <laughs> hey. Yes, Ron's a great supporter of the Western Sahara. Oh right, okay. Which is an interesting thing. Was uh, very part, interesting part of a yeah. policy that was uh, institute uh, put up at the ACTU Congress. That's right. Um, so there's ongoing support for the Western Sahara's struggle. That's right, and so I think you know we should we should recommend that people check out the Western Sahara struggle. That you can do it online if you Google Western Sahara, um, Western Sahara, Western Sahara campaign Australia. It'll take you to the site and you can read all about it and possibly get involved if that's, you know, if you want to. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and you heard it on 3CR. On Solidarity Breakfast, give us a call on 94198377, just like uh, Paul Jones has given us $50 and Alan Linda, Linda, who's also given us $15. So good on you well, guys. Paul you... and Alan, Heroes. Heroes. Nothing. All our, all, all our subscribers. And we Heroes. will yes. applaud you. <laughs> Wondering how you pay your donation to the 3CR Radiothon? Well, you can do so online at www.3cr.org.au or call us with your credit card details on 94198377. You can also come into the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy, during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FPOS. Or simply post your cheque or money order to PO Box 1277 Collingwood 3066. And be sure to tell us which program you'd like your donation to go to. Well, Marcus, you joined uh, Solidarity Breakfast uh, earlier this year, bringing us rank and file. How's the experience been for you in joining the team? Um, yeah, well, previous I was on another show last year, and yeah, it was later last year, it was just after Bill Della passed away that I um, yeah, created the uh, rank and file program in the Solidarity uh, Breakfast time slot. What was your aim? What were you aiming to do? Well, bring the uh, stories of workers' struggles and campaigns to the 3CR listeners. Well, I was very impressed with your reports about uh, the uh, offshore... uh, um, What is it? uh, Where people fly in, fly out. Fly in, fly out workers and the the situation of their workers. Yeah, I've covered that on a lot of uh, programs. Um, Yeah, there's an inquiry in Western Australia currently going on into into that uh, mode of employment. Uh, There's seen numerous uh, suicides amongst uh, fly in, fly out workers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And the conditions uh, they're placed in. The mental health issues are just absolutely horrendous, not being able to see their families. And I think the union's trying to get rid of it 100% in some minds. Is that true? Uh, the CFMEU and MUA, they're doing their uh, EBA over there at the moment, um, trying to reduce the time they spend on the camps. However, companies such as uh, Chevron are uh, uh, bent on increasing that time. I think that's something like four weeks they spend. Uh, Chevron wants to in, in, uh, increase that to... I'm not sure, I can't remember off the top of my head, but 
oh, yeah. obviously to uh, to save money on flying those workers in and out. And uh, Barrow Island was one of the stories I covered. At the the camp those workers live on is based on a prison in America. So it gives you some idea the conditions that those workers are placed in by these companies. And those reports that you did were just extraordinarily in-depth and, I'd have to say, cutting-edge reports. Congratulations. Mm. Thanks. Yeah, so great. And, um, you know, I have this image. When I was in um, Karatha in the, you know, northwest Pilbara in about three years ago when the mining boom was at its height, and we went one night. You could go to the camps um, if you're in some of them. If you're an outsider, and you could pay twenty five dollars and eat all you could, because they had the most amazing campaign um, canteens with just I've never seen so much food in my life. But I saw we were, we were out there. We went there this one night, and we saw I saw a guy, and he had a tray, and on the tray he had a big bowl, and the big bowl was absolutely chock a block full of ice cream. All different colour ice creams. And his face, look he looks so miserable. And he walks up this great big aisle between all these horrible laminex tables looking so miserable with this great big plate of ice cream. And it was just such an image of someone who was craving comfort of some kind. Um, it was just... It was as, as in, it was uh, it's an incredibly difficult workplace, that's what you're saying. It's well, I think so people are miserable, yeah. I mean, you I know, th- we talked about the mental health issues. I think people are miserable and, um, and, and the towns are miserable because there's all these people potentially at the town but not at the town because they're not allowed to go into the town. And it's oh. bad enough, I think, that when you're not a fly-in, fly-out worker but, you know, with the wharfies, um, I know at least... You can do a week of 12-hour midnight shifts and you can be at home but never actually see your family because yeah. you have to sleep all day. Yeah. And the conditions, they're forced to sleep in shipping containers uh, turned into sleeping quarters and uh, as one worker jumps into bed, the other worker will jump out jump of bed and out. go to work. Yeah. So they what right. they call hot, hot bedding hot it in, bedding. in those areas. And it's extraordinary, isn't it? I, I mean, you wouldn't think it would, would happen in Australia in 2015. Uh, well, we uh, got to uh, talk to Liz Ross because one of the other things that's going on, not just in terms of uh, dreadful conditions and, uh, you know, uh, bargaining off uh, pay increases for uh, reducing conditions, that sort of stuff. This is the world we live in at the moment in Australia. But, of course, the uh, Abbott government's uh, cranking up the or has cranked up the uh, Royal Commission uh again into unions uh, and uh, we uh, had a word with Liz Ross and now Liz Ross was the person who wrote a uh, important history of the uh, B- BLF uh, mm-hmm. deregistration and struggle, dare to, dare to uh, struggle, dare to win and uh, uh, she had something pretty sobering to say about the class struggle and uh, uh, the meaning of royal commissions. So... Uh, Give us a call on nine four one nine eight three seven seven to keep solidarity breakfast on on your uh, radios and bringing you the good oil in regards to real labour history. Yeah, well, royal commissions are the tool of the ruling class, particularly the coalition governments, to attack unions. What they do is they set up a a, a you know this so-called um, free and open commission 
put their own chosen people in charge of it, um, set up a whole a whole uh, questioning regime, which means that you don't have any you know you don't have any rights to be able to challenge you know properly to challenge what's being put up. Hearsay is regularly reported from the commission into the local press papers like the the Murdoch press you know sort of take great deal of joy in doing that sort of thing but you know I have to say that the liberal press are you know in there as as more than liberal press are in there as much as the tabloids to attack the unions to use all the the information that's partially fabricated you have to say um, and use that against the the union. So, from the early nineteen eighties, uh, there have been a series of royal commissions, supposedly into the illegal criminal acts of building unions, by and large. And that relates partially to the central role that that building has in the Australian economy, but also because the building unions, by and large, from the really from the post-war period have been the most militant unions in the country and alongside the MUA but they, they've been the ones that have really um, you know taken things forward in terms of workers conditions and taken a stand around issues like women's liberation, gay liberation, the South African struggle, you know uranium, a range of things like that so that all of those things mean that they're a target for the ruling class. As a consequence of that of course then the Royal Commission drags out a whole range of so-called stories about what illegal activities like going onto a job site and demanding that they see that the union actually can inspect unsafe conditions on the job, that somehow this is something that is illegal, criminal, not to be allowed. And this is the kind of thing that these Royal Commissions focus on. And then from that you get these lurid headlines saying, you know... Uh, illegal activity, criminal activity, whatever. And the commission really is, you can say whatever you like in a royal commission. Uh, The problem is, is that the phones are dead. We need some calls. What's going on, folks? Mm. Come on. 9419-8377 keep going unless we get money, enough money to keep the station going for at least another year. That's exactly right. Join join your compatriots with uh, donations. Uh, Jared Lewis Fitzgerald's on the money. He's given us $50 because he knows that 3CR is important. Good on you, Jared. But there are tumbleweeds bouncing through the studio at the moment. So. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we, we were talking about fly and fly out, and I did just want to remind us all that you know that our wonderful comrade, now no longer with us, Bill Della, um, spent some of the seventies as a, working in the mines in the Pilbara, and um, and when he was there, he eventually became you know a delegate for the for the AWU, and uh, and he was fighting at that time for houses to be built um, so that families could move up there, so that they weren't sort of you know camps where because even then when it was sort of fly in, fly out in the way that it is now. Basically, they were camps where only males lived um, and worked and he could see that this was going nowhere good and, and, and could see because, you know, as we know, our Bill had a, had a pretty good foresight and he could see that, you know, that the way to, to look at this was actually to create communities which would involve, you know, um, the men who were working and their families and, 
uh, and and he also fought for women to have jobs up there as well. So he was a great performer. I've he heard a, ter- uh, a variety of people now get a picture of this, mm. that of Bill, uh, Big Bad Bill, as uh, Frank called him. Uh, wearing tie-dyed overalls, overalls, which uh, many people have actually mentioned. Well, well, also tie-dyed overalls and hair that came to his waist. Oh, fantastic. And roaming across across the desert as the AWU delegate. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like it would be very hot, actually. (laughs) Yeah, but he knew how to perform. No, I don't think he had, you know, he just had the overalls on. And the hair. And the hair, and the hair. That's right, that's right. And one of his jobs was incredibly hot. He was involved in a maintenance team um, that fixed up the railway lines. And so they, and so, you know, I don't know how many of you have been up to the Pilbara, but they have these. It's hot. It's hot. Mm. And they have these trains that have, you know, I've I've never seen such big trains, you know, 50 carriages or something. Every carriage is just a little truck that's full, chock-a-block full with a great big pile of iron ore. And they come, you know, from the centre out to the coast to get shipped overseas. And um, one of Bill's jobs was at one stage to go and fix the, the train lines when they broke. So they would be, you know, in camp and they would get a call, goodness knows when, and they would just have to jump in their car and drive to wherever it might be, 100, 200 kilometres away, fix up the line quick so the trains could, you know, because we mustn't interfere with profit, so the trains could keep going. Uh, and that could be in the middle of the day, and so that could be working with hot metal in the middle of the desert in the middle of the day. It would have been awful. What amazing stories. The stories that people have to tell. And if I can talk about another legend of 3CR, John Cummins. I spoke to a worker on the program from Caratha earlier in the year, and he... Still 40 years on, they uh, still talk about uh, the legacy that Camo left behind yeah, in the, in the uh, Pilbara. And, um, and on the Royal Commission, it was John Cummins 10 years ago when he yeah. was called under the stand by uh, Commissioner Cole. He was on $800,000 a year and uh, Camo instead questioned the Commissioner. Questioned, he said, what, what gives you the right to question workers' wages and conditions when you yourself are on an excessive uh, salary? So Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have take to, it back to them. Yeah, you have to think that, don't you, all the time? You look at the, the hypocrisy. Mm. Yep. But uh, a story that will come up on uh, Rank and File Radio in uh, in coming weeks is an extended interview. We'll go over a few shows is uh, on the the Robe River dispute, uh, mm. which was a, a prominent dispute in the Pilbara in 1986, just a year after the British miners' strike. Uh, those workers, again, prior to that, had fought for proper houses for. Uh, facilities where workers could enjoy uh, recreation time. Yeah. Um, it was a long dispute um, over a year or two. Only they were sold down the river by uh, such yeah, Labor Party uh, people, but they were fighting back then. And the they were too. I remember the Road River, but I actually can't remember exactly what it was about. Oh, we what have to listen about, in, Marcus. Or will that be? That wouldn't be a spoiler if you just tell us what it was about. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's already happened. <laughs> You can't spoil oh, history. Right. Any, anybody could Google. Well, the outcome to the dispute was, uh, they say it was the, the rise of the new right. The outcome was largely the Pilbara, what it is today, largely de-unionised, uh, thanks to the best and worst efforts of union and uh, Labor okay. Party officials. Yeah. Well, you've got to remember, of course, that that's exactly true, that the uh, neoliberal agenda has got its... Uh, Feet in uh, in the 1980s. It's uh, it hasn't just come along. So what have we got? It's about 40 years. The the dream, the dream of the uh, neoliberals and the fight back has. I mean, what is it? It's a class war, but only one people, one person, one group's fighting. 
you know. Mm. Uh, everyone has to get up on the hustings and actually fight up on the barricades, and that's what 3CR is about. Yeah, did, have, did you hear Graham um, speak about who was one of the leaders of the... Uh, Graham Haynes, that's, yeah, he'll be, yeah. he'll, he was interviewed for the program, and he's uh, spoken a few times at the uh, Marxism conference on the, on the Robe River dispute. I went to his talk, uh, which Liz Ross was actually helped him well, they wrote together some of the history of it, but it just made almost everyone in the room cry. He's just incredible. Wow. Mm-hmm. Anyway, give us a call, 94198377, so that it's possible to pay for that uh, amount of radio to get to your ears. All but this moving history that we're talking about. Yeah, m- moving history. It, it, it will be lost if we don't actually and do it. right now, 3CR is making history. That's exactly right. And Kevin Healy who normally would be on at this time, has sent us a little bit of a message to encourage you to support Solidarity Breakfast and 3CR. A weak Solidarity Brekkie team listener when, well, look, I'll repeat an item from last week in which we seem to upset poor Tiny, big supremo Tiny a bit more for the bosses, and thus felt hurt because he's the last person we'd want to hurt. But, well, here's the bit, hard as it is for me to hear it again. Uh, doctors can be penalised, including imprisonment, for not reporting child abuse on mainland Trublawazi. And doctors can be penalised, including imprisonment, for reporting child abuse in our refugee prisons. Exactly. Unlike the socialists, we take all steps to protect the Trublawazi people. All steps to protect the Trublawazi people. But I must correct your use of the term prison, a typical 3CR distortion. All the more reason for responsible thinking people not to donate to Radiothon. These are Pacific Island holiday camps. They are not prisons. Well, as we know, it went on. But when our great supremo tells us 3CR is biased and we should not donate to this Radiothon thing, then surely we have to take that seriously. This is not a man who shoots up at the mouth with idiot comments. In other words, if we defied Tiny's thought bubble, we would be inadvertently supporting the promotion of anti-True Blue Aussie values, anti-impeccable values forged on the anvil of a failed military disaster, a failed invasion. So all I'm saying is, think about that. And look, we'll never appear in those honouring Her Most Gracious Majesty's list we all poured over Monday looking for our own names if we don't donate, don't give in a responsible True Blue Aussie values way. Like Paula Foxy, identified by the Lord Rupert of Wapping Sin as married to one of the richest True Blue Aussie men, honoured for her philanthropy, who told the Wapping Sin, I've focused much of my passion and energy over the years to help improve outcomes for kids and families, such as supporting housing and accommodation problems. And Heloise Weislitz, honoured for her philanthropy, Heloise, for those who aren't aware, is the daughter of the late corporate crook and well-named Dick, you're a prat. And it must cut Paula and Heloise to their quicks that as they so strive to assist the riffraff and thankless, the gap between their super, super wealth and the not-so-super, not-so-super destitute widens all the while. Indeed, despite Paula and Heloise, housing and accommodation problems seem to be as massive as ever. Perhaps they should give a bit more. 
Now, the total 3CR is chasing this week could be covered by Paula and or Heloise as pocket money, but I've got a feeling these honoured philanthropists who so care about the underclass, the riffraff, won't be extending their philanthropy this week this way. Because, like Tiny, they know they'd be supporting anti-Trublawazi values. Philanthropy, charity, their style, serves to maintain their wealth by applying blood-soaked band-aids to the victims of their wealth. 3CR's anti-values are for the victims of their system, the greatest little economic order of them all, to lift ourselves, ourselves, themselves, out of the inevitable powerlessness integral to the Paulas and Heloises maintaining their wealth, to Tiny and their parliament, their governments generally kowtowing to their interests. That's why Tiny insists we not donate to Radiothon, not donate to supporting opposition to those honourable true blue Aussie values. Leave donating, leave charity to Paula and Heloise and their fundraising friends. Leave addressing poverty and exploitation and disempowerment and helplessness to those honoured for such community spirit, such altruism. So if our fingers are itching to get on the phone and donate to this station, think about the consequences. Think of the hurt we will impose on poor Tiny and Paula and Heloise. Think of the shame of promoting anti-True Blue Aussie values. And donating to 3CR will never have Her Most Gracious Majesty smile upon us. Think of the true, true Blue Aussie values forged in that invasion, in that military disaster. Think of the values of Simpson and his donkey. Oh, no, no, hang on. Don't think of him. Don't think of him. Forget what I said. Although the curators of that memory, memory ignore the little fact Simpson was a wobbly and believer in the anti-True Blue Aussie values this station perfidiously preaches. He would have donated to Radiothon. Oh, dear. Good morning. And some people have donated to Radiothon. Yes, some people have. And Marie from Preston has donated $30. Thank oh, you, Marie. Bravo. And we've also, um, Eileen Brannigan um, has donated $100 and she's left us a message saying, keep on going. And we will, thanks to people like Eileen. That's right. And we need uh, listeners to keep on donating to Rank and File Radio and Solidarity Breakfast 94198377. Jump on the phone, but we've got more money in. Uh, Janet Lucas has donated $25. Enzo Manuzzo has chipped in $50. Uh, Humphrey McQueen, a regular contributor and to the program to oh, and a, a minute, prominent author. He's, uh, Humphrey's sent $50 down from Canberra. Good on you, Humphrey. Paul Reiner, he's given $20 to Solidarity Breakfast. Liz Ryan has chipped in $60. It costs uh, $90 to produce one hour of radio. So... Keep the money coming, 94198377. Donate to 3CR. Keep it alive for another 40 years. Uh, Richard Tate has donated $10. Now, I have to uh, revise what our... To- our, um, our We have to make $4,000, and we have actually got over the halfway mark. So I'll have to say that that requires an applause. Oh, big applause. <laughs> That's right. And but guess what, Annie? I've got more. Oh, there's more here. There's Peter Wooten. He donated a hundred dollars, and then a hundred and twenty-five dollars. Peter Wooten, a hero. David Kenyon, another hero. Ten dollars. Andy Reid, ten dollars. 
Paul Reiner, $20, and Ruth Siret, $50. Thank you all. You're all heroes. Yeah, you are. You're fantastic. I've also got one more. Um, We have the wonderful Sue Lee from North Fitzroy who has donated $25 and also sent us a message saying, good on you. So um, everyone, get on the phone um, on 9419-8377 and um, follow your compatriots. Has anybody taken the book? Has anybody rung up for the book? No, not so far as I've seen. No, nobody's sent us a message. Nobody's. If you ring up and you donate and you're interested in, in uh, beating the big end of town, then make sure you mention the fact and tell us your address so that we can send it out to you. We have another donation. We have $30 from Christine Ahrens, and she says, thanks for another great year. Really miss Bill Della, but loved him when he was on. Yeah. That's right. We all feel like that, Christine. There was a lot to be uh, learnt from Bill, and uh, I think he would be enjoying the notion of what's going on uh, regarding the AWU right at the moment with Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, exposure of uh, Mellon and his uh, Caesar Mellon and his uh, ridiculous uh, rorting. I think he would be enjoying it. I think he'd be enjoying the show today as well. I think he's somewhere grinning away. Putting the boot in. Putting the boot in, <laughs> but very cheerfully. <laughs> How to pay? I'll let you know. Are you wondering how you can pledge your support for a 3CR program during Radiothon? Well, you can call us on 9419 or visit our website 3cr.org.au. You can also come into the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FPOS. Or simply post your cheque or money order to Post Office Box 1277 Collingwood 3066. And be sure to tell us which program you'd like your donation to go to. And thank you for being part of 3CR's Radiothon. And we've got Noah on the line. Hello, Noah. How are you? Good morning, Annie. I'm very well. Yourself? Good. Well, we've got over our halfway in our $4,000 target, so that's uh, that's good. I'll get online very shortly and make a contribution myself. Good on you, mate. Now, you're one of our draw cards. It's great to uh, have you uh, talk to uh, Spruik and tell people to uh, uh, donate by uh, ringing 94198377 or going online, just like you said, 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. But in the studio, it's not just me. We've got Kim, we've got Lynn, we've got Marcus. It's a full house. And we've got Letha on the phones. Yeah, cast of thousands. How are you, Noah? This is Lynn. Good morning, Lynn. I'm well, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, very well, very well. It's a great day, isn't it, to be raising money for 3CR? Indeed, it's a very good day. And uh, uh, opening the paper this morning made me realise how important it is to support independent radio. What was it in the paper that you saw particularly? Oh, well, well do, where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I mean, I, I read the editorial in the Fairfax on uh, the uh, government's, our government's uh, strategy 
to pay of paying uh, b- boats to return. Yeah, it's a great strategy, eh? Yeah, um, but what really infuriated me about the article, I mean, the fact that they brought it up was 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 you know promising, but uh, they they failed to really, to in my view, get to the to the crux of it, and that. Uh, yes, there's a political agenda, which is what the um, or what the uh, journalist was arguing. But that really, for many people that support that sort of policy, it's not about it's not it's not just about ending uh, the practice or trying to uh, sort of undermine the business model, which is the phrase that the government uses all the time of... of um, to describe the, the, uh, the, the people smugglers. The people smugglers. Yeah. But in fact, it's about race. Yeah. Mm. It's about the fact that we, the people who do this, do not want these types of people in Australia. Exactly. If they actually wanted to get rid of people smuggling, the way to do it would to actually be to provide services that would bring refugees over here, the government should provide. Indeed, absolutely, safe absolutely. And they'd work with the UN and with the regional partners to make uh, passage safe and organised in in some sort of uh, in in some sort of way that prevents people taking those sort of routes to Australia. But what? it was never about that. It was about the fact that we that that white Australia wants to choose white white people to come to this country. Mind you, I did work in a uh, private RTO, a registered training organisation, and it does occur to me that they actually want people to pay lots of money to be to get uh, permanent residency yeah. in Australia. That was also a... I, mean, I guess that is the other aspect of this, that uh, migration is, is, a, is something that we sell. It's, it's been commodified um, in, in recent years. That is, people who can who can afford to come here uh, are welcome. Those who can't um, aren't. But I think... Yeah, we don't, mind, we don't mind the likes of Joe Hockey's parents coming from the Middle East. Well, that's right. I mean, I, I mean I've, I've read and heard from, you know, a number of people over the years who, have, who were migrants themselves who seem to be the most, often the, the most vo- vocal uh, in their opposition to refugees. Uh, and they use you know, the very lame um, um, argument that they came here legitimately. And they paid lots of money to do so. Well, Tony Abbott didn't, did he? He only paid 10 quid. At least his parents only paid 10 quid. You know, he's British. Um, (laughs) And there is, for me, that's always been an undercurrent, a very clear undercurrent here. Just no one in the mainstream media is willing to call out. And that, I think, is, is, is the problem that, you know, the sort of insidious racism in Australia that, you know, I had a student a few years ago, a Sudanese student, who was telling me a story about how every time he goes into a department store, the uh, security guard follows him around. Mm. Yeah, you know, he's a hard-working young kid. Uh-huh. You know, he's, he, he, he goes in, you know, as everyone does with, you know, to purchase things for one reason or another. But he's all, he, he finds himself always under scrutiny. And the only reason that can be is not that he's a young kid, it's he's, he's black. I'll tell you and something, Bunny Noah, uh, if you go down to uh, 
a, a, a Little Burke Street in uh, it, it's reversed. If you go into the uh, Chinese shops in Little Burke Street and you're an Anglo, they follow yeah. you around. <laughs> it's hysterical. I think that it's it's interesting though because actually the people around Reclaim Australia they simply just say these things, you know. Whereas um, other people like Tony Abbott too well yeah. barely keeps it to himself. But they talk about how we should be proud of our um, heritage, and it's just like what. Are you talking about in Australia? What does that mean? The bloodbath, yeah, the stolen I mean, land. Been multi. I mean, you know, from the period of European colonisation, Australia's been multicultural. It's always had a, a, a non-Anglo element to it, and Australia wouldn't be what it is without the Chinese, the Indonesians, the Afghans that have all contributed to to the building of this. Australia, whatever we might think of it. Um, And the idea that we've only had a white heritage since uh, colonisation is absolute rubbish. And it's just part of the narrative that that tries to produce this idea that we are a homogenous society. In fact, we've always been heterogeneous, and that's one of the great things about Australia. I was wondering, Noah... The government comes out and is willing to champion that, like the Whitlam Mm. government did, um, we're going to have this sort of, uh, and and as long as governments continue to to build or, pre, or or construct this narrative around Australia as a homogenous country, which Abbott and Costello and Howard Abbott and have, Costello have all played into, for um, then you know these issues are going to continue. Uh, to be real problems for this country, I think. You know, you know, that whole thing about Abbott and Costello tells you so much about how conservatives uh, suppress the mainstream media. That's such a gift to yeah. the media, and they suppressed all laughter around the Abbott and Costello concept. Yes, that's mm. true. But you know what? I read a beautiful uh, term the other day, malevolent, malevolent, malevolent buffoonery. Yeah. Someone there was a heading of an article saying, "When did malevolent buffoonery become a quality for politicians?" Yeah. Well, I, I think as well, though, it's you can see how this right-wing atmosphere that they've created has actually allowed the far right to grow for the first time in Australia since the eighties. Yeah. And I think what worries me as well is, and I was wondering if you'd heard about it, Noah, was they were talking about um, charging uh, for visas. Um, and actually having a system where you came over here and you ended up with a kind of hex debt. So basically you're sort of indentured um, until you pay off this hex debt from your visas. I was wondering if you'd heard about that. Uh, no, I haven't, but, uh, you know, that it's a shocking idea, but one that doesn't surprise me given the sort of overwhelming neoliberal uh, sort of economic rationalist uh, model that we exist in where everything is up for sale. I mean, you know, the extent that that uh, we sort of do exist in, or we have a neo-colonial program, uh, you know, globally, and uh, you know, and every time I go overseas, it just confirms uh, how much the uh, global economy has reconstructed aspects of colonialism. And now I hear a story like this, which you know, just reaffirms my my view that. Uh, uh, of that sort of continuing uh, resilience of that colonial order, uh, because that indentured slavery or in, in, indentured work practices were very much a part of the colonial system, and here we are reinventing them in 
in uh, in this century, which you know is appalling. You know, when when I was when I was a kid uh, at school in primary school, I remember I was doing a history project, and I came across that notion that a a person in India could have a child, and they'd own a debt to some an employer, and that then that debt went on to the child. And I can remember being shocked, totally shocked, and uh, that this could be a concept at all. Uh, it's just yeah. extraordinary to me. And I thought, oh, at least in Australia we don't have that. Well. Well, there we you go. Soon. We, may, we soon. may soon. I mean, it does suggest that everything is now open for for sale, and that was. I mean, when Tony Abbott was elected, that's what he promised. He did. You know, his words were were open for were reopened for business. I think. Uh, yeah, that's no, what he those said. are his words. That's right. Yeah. Australia yeah. is now open for business. Business, and so that you know, and really, you know, this is this is a great opportunity to, you know, to sort of sell off. Uh, access to low-paying jobs in Australia, which is effectively what it will be, I imagine. And if we talk about uh, r- racists and racism, and um, just even more disturbing is these groups are now using uh, the Eureka flag as I their know. flag, and the yeah. Eureka struggle That's was outrageous. totally a it was a fight against racism, as I said before. Absolutely. Forty different nationalities, different races, different religions, different colours, all fighting under that Eureka flag, and the government. Put, uh, the first man to go on trial for treason was uh, John Joseph, a black man from America. They did that for the reason. They said no white jury would acquit him, and he was acquitted within was acquitted, uh, an, right. uh, 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah, They thought if they were going to get someone, they'd, he was the one they'd get, didn't they? Yeah. <sighs> I mean, stuff. You know, there's this really interesting debate about racism as a... And, you know, there's an assumption that racism is a working-class phenomenon or a... Yeah. But the more I read about racism in Australia, the more I understand it very much as a strategy of elites, as a way of dividing... Divide, workers. yeah, divide and rule. It's the yeah, old... it's very much driven from, uh, from up high, if I can use the... Well, you can see the role the media plays in it. The media is just yeah. forever you know, honing in. I mean, they've got a bit more delicate now than they used to be, but they still hone in whenever they can and make racial points. Well, except the, all yeah. the jihad, Jack, and all this kind of nonsense. I, mean, it's I think pretty that's, a really, that's even a more dangerous form of racism because it's harder to call it out um, than the more overt... I mean, you know, Reclaim Australia, one can say, well, you guys are racist. Mm. You know, we can, we can see quite clearly the racial element. As you said, they're quite open... Uh, their, their racism is quite open, but when it's sort of, sort of, in, sort of built in into these sort of culturalist or other um, um, ways of presenting it, it's I think a little more difficult uh, to sort of call it out in the same way. And you know, you, you get the sort of reaction that you know this is just left-wing sensitive political correctness, and um, and that's often bought by the majority of people. As a as a criticism of trying to to um, trying to challenge those sort of racist uh, undercurrents. Yeah, and now it's really it's really mixed up with the sort of anti-terror stuff, and it that is. and that muddies the waters even more because you yeah. you know you, it's very difficult to call it out when people are you know talking about the potential of you know people coming back to Australia and killing us all. Um, and and it's very clear that it's racist. It's very clear that it depends it depends who you are and where you've been overseas, you know, to fight or support a cause. Um, but 
it's not easy to to identify. It's not easy to point at it specifically and call well, it racist. Yeah. Well, no, that's why it's so beautiful. It's it's so beautifully thought but it's out. Actually, always the way racism has been is that people are racialized by their cultural attributes because race is not a thing. But, of course, the mainstream media doesn't want you to think of it that way. It's interesting, you know, that there's more difference within a population of people than there is between different populations. So yeah, it's actually it's a contrivance. Genetic, genetic difference. Yeah, absolutely. it's totally contrived. And it, it is a tool uh, to divide people. I mean, it's yeah. an endless battle to educate workers to, over, to beat the boss. You need to overcome racism. Yeah, that's it's, right. as simple focus, as that. Focus, guys. I mean, focus. One of the successes of the labour movement in the 50s and 60s and 70s was their ability to overcome that sort of racism. I mean, the stuff I've read about the Snowy Mountains, uh, the workers on the Snowy Mountains scheme, the sort of Southern Europeans and, and other workers getting together and overcoming those attempts by employers to pay different rates of wages to different workers based on nas- nationality or, or background. Uh, it's really, again, uh, emphasises how the working working. Uh, people can actually do, do, you know, can actually overcome racism. Well, I think that I was just I was just thinking when Marcus was, was saying that that too that from my experience workers are not racist on the job. You know, there's all sorts of people work with each other and and they see each other as fellow workers. The racism is about those out there that nobody knows. Yeah, and we're seeing it today in Australia with two different classes of workers. The Local yes. workers and, and the four, five, seven workers who work and live under different well, conditions. I it's mean, not on. It's just no. not on. And you're on 3CR, and if you want to continue to hear conversations of this wonderful level of uh, incisive com- uh, understanding, uh, then then make sure that you ring in 94198377 so you can hear Dr Noah Brazil and the others who are in the studio uh, talking so incisively about something that is absolutely uh, dangerous to the future of a uh, civilised Australia. Hey, Noah, do you think um, that, that, that this business of paying the people smugglers has gone just a bit too far? I was hearing international the international news overnight and... Um, Everybody's talking about how awful Australia is and how we're up. For, we're in big trouble because we've we've supported people smugglers. I mean, I think uh, you know, I think the whole policy is just horrendous. From you know, it has been for you know two decades at least. Uh, but this might be the straw that breaks it. I doubt. You know, that's a very optimistic. <laughs> that's a very optimistic, maybe even idealistic way of thinking about how this how this whole area might become a little more depoliticised and open for some rational debate. But um, possibly it may be a turning point in that Australians will see through um, the charade. Well, let's uh, hope. Let's hope they will. And uh, one thing's for sure, that if 3CR stays on air and, um, and, and there's more chance of actually publicising the real attitude and the real problems, then more and more people will wake up. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think this is really important that this... I mean, I was saying this about just, just recently about a couple other issues, that really the onus is on us to, to get out there and, and combat... Yeah, the sort of mainstream media and the and the and the sort of mainstream uh, narratives around all issues such as this, you know, similar issues such as um, refugees and so forth, and to start changing the language and the way that we approach the issues when we speak to other people about it, because we can't rely 
on the mainstream media or the major political parties to take leadership in this matter. And, you know, the, I, I was a member of the Labor Party back in 1991 mm -hmm. and, in, you know, I just haven't been able to bring myself to rejoin the party in recent years, largely because of this one issue, that it's inability to take leadership mm. on the refugee issue um, has just left me just com completely unable to support them. And it's a real shame because, uh, you know, in my view, Labor is essential for a more just Australia. A good Labor Party is essential for a more just and equitable Australia. But I think until my, my you know, deep conviction here is that until they can sort themselves out around this issue, they're not going to really be able to put forward a proper uh, sort of a, a vision for uh for, for justice in this country. No, I think that that's a very important point and that's a great place for us to finish because we're going to have to move on with our announcing oh, yeah. all the wonderful donations we've had and um, we've got a couple more people to talk to and we should flag that we'll, we'll be talking about that very issue in much more depth in a couple of weeks, Noah. Thank you, Noah. Brilliant. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure as always, guys, and, and, and in solidarity we should support um, 3CR and I guess you know this is a, also just very quickly um, this is the first time that I've this is the fifth time I think now I've done I've been on during uh, this uh, uh, um, fundraiser but the first time without Bill so I just wanted to mention that yeah mention Bill yeah yeah. yeah. No, okay, no. Noah, we'll we're, talk we're, to you soon thank you thank and you, you can ring Bye. in and help on 9419 8377 and we've and had some, some helpers have. as well, yes. Um, we've had um, one $50 donation from Kevin Bracken. I wonder if that's Kevin Bracken of the MUA, MUA. but either way, um, thank you very much. On you, Kevin. And uh, Rafaela Lopez has given us $25 and says, keep going, we need you. And Hugo Maggi has uh, donated $25, so keep the donations coming in. 94198377. your support for a 3CR program during Radiothon? Well, you can call us on 9419 8377 or visit our website 3cr.org.au You can also come into the station at 21 Smith Street Fitzroy during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FPOS. Or simply post your cheque or money order to Post Office Box 1277 Collingwood 3066. And be sure to tell us which program you would like your donation to go to. And thank you for being part of 3CR's Radiothon. And who have we got? Oh. oh, we've got some squeaky noises on the phone. No, there he is. Are you there, Humphrey? There ah, I'm morning, Humphrey. Humphrey. <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell the difference. <laughs> so here we are, Humphrey, on another morning when we might have been talking about neoliberalism, but instead we can flag neoliberalism as coming up soon. So we need another two weeks, and in the meantime... People send in their money so that we will have a little bit 
of money to combat neoliberalism. To combat neoliberalism and to keep going so we can in fact talk more about the dangers of neoliberalism. It's not a profitable fight, is it, fighting neoliberalism, really? (laughs) Well, I mean, 3CR does depend upon that part of its name of community, uh, of people both like you who give your time and people who aren't in that position who give some financial support as well. And there are all kinds of ways of doing that, as people doubt has been doing all through the day and will continue. Um, But, um, you know... It's more important than ever, obviously, to have community voices and collective voices because I think one of the things that we tend to forget in the realm of social media is that it's not as social as it should be. Um, It's much more individualised that you're not very often in contact in any real way with with many more people. I mean, it has its uses, no doubt, and... Indeed, 3CR, I think, has extended the community by its use of um, you know, the, uh, the social media being able to download at, at, at other times. And I think one of the ways in which we can extend the support base is for people to send out the uh, links either to particular programs like Solidarity Breakfast or to other things that they know around Australia and around the world to say, look, if you're interested in this, this is a way to do it, and that will then encourage more listeners and more donations over the years to come. So that community and collective, I think, are, are really living parts of how the radio station is going to be able to survive. Absolutely, because as well, as a collective voice like 3CR, you're also accountable to the community, unlike individuals on social media, which is very important. It is indeed, and it's a collectiveness in, as you were saying, I think rightly there, about being responsible. It's responsible for changing the world. It's not just responsible for what you say, but for how what we say goes into the collective action that makes a better world um, both feasible and uh, really achievable. So that's why we're being asked to... um, uh, send in some money today, specifically at this moment, of course, to keep Solidarity Breakfast going, um, but also to keep the whole of the radio station going now for 40 years. Amazing, isn't it? It is amazing. It's absolutely fantastic. And, you know, I think you talk about the the sort of role of social media uh, linking with the role of 3CR, and in a sense it's just to extend into the new technology the role that 3CR has always played. So as well as providing information, etc., 3CR has always played this incredible networking role where, you know, any decent-sized dispute that's going on, 3CR is on the spot, live covering, you know, um, helping people to know where to go if they want to support it and, and direct people and you know and I think I'm probably not alone in remembering the um, maritime workers dispute down at Webdock when 3CR was you know minute by minute giving accounts of what was happening and stirring people to get out of their houses and get down that there. Was it was a huge fantastic. inspiration yeah. for me it was the first time I heard of 3CR and uh-huh. I was 10 years old and they were the only ones who my dad was one of the workers uh, Wharfies yeah. and it was the only media that was supporting them and not calling them you know, all kinds of terrible names. So that was the first time well, I heard it. That's a great story, Kim. Yeah. I mean, if we've got a quick minute, I, don't, I had... Um, we do a have a quick a minute, minute. A quick minute, Humphrey. Okay. Literally, that's what we do have. By listening to this. I mean, I had an acquaintance who was a friend of a friend, and his job, and this was 30 years ago, was to do PR for 
what was then BHP, um, the big Australian, as it was in those days. And part of his job was to listen to 3CR to report back to BHP on what it was that 3CR was saying. And he said, you know, I met him one day and he said, you know, over the years, listening to 3CR changed my view of the world. And he stopped working for BHP. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's a great story too. But it's win- also, that's it's a just victory. a great story that, that BHP actually wanted to know. I mean, what an well, accolade. Indeed. indeed. Yeah, and I think pretty, pretty much rightly so that, you know, those, you know the importance of the, um, of the um, metalworking unions, the way in which 3CR was very much <laughs> locked into the ways in which working class struggles were going on. Um, but that's the kind of effect that you can have, not with one program, but over and over, people thinking this is a way of thinking about the world that I had never encountered before. Wow. Well, that's great, Humphrey. I've got to thank you at this point for your um, for, for, being, for talking to us this morning. It's fantastic to hear from you, and everybody will be looking forward to everybody will be paying money so that we can stay on air, so that they can hear more of you on a regular basis on Solidarity Breakfast. Well, it's always my pleasure. Thank you, Gat, and speak to you in a fortnight. Thanks, thank Humphrey. You. Thanks, Humphrey. Okay. Now we're coming to the end of Solidarity Breakfast just for this week, especially if you ring up and uh, donate nine four one nine eight three seven seven. But as we are coming to the end of the program, don't forget you can go online www.3cr.org.au forward slash donate. Just go to the page and you'll follow the prompts. And you can also drop in because 3CR is not just a a web uh, place. It is actually a physical place. A physical place. With activists and... Yeah, real live people. 21 uh, Smith Street in... uh, Well, it's called... It's the Fitzroy uh, side of uh, Smith Street. It's Collingwood, but it's actually Fitzroy. Okay. That's our real postal address. Anyway, so... It's because we used to be in Collingwood. That's right. Anyway, coming up next is you can help out Asia-Pacific Currents in their uh, efforts to raise their quota. Tony Abbott's business advisor, Maurice Newman, is worried that an international cabal of radicals are conspiring to destroy the God-given freedom to profit from pollution and to institute a new world order of zombies, clean air and communist-style wealth redistribution. Here at 3CR, we work towards this vision daily. Unfortunately, we haven't overthrown capitalism quite yet, so we need your money. Donate to 3CR's Radiothon and activate the airwaves. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.